Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast, I'm Chris Gunnis, and this is The Art of Change, a series in which we feature artists and performers who are passionate about changing the world. In this episode, the Belarus Free Theatre, in which politics, theatre and life combine with rare edginess. I've come to an anonymous house in central London to meet its co-founders and artistic directors, Natalia Kaliada and Nikolai Halesian, I say anonymous house because this is underground political theatre, campaigning openly against the repressive policies of President Alexander Lukashenko. They were banned in Belarus in 2005 from the company's very inception. And in 2011, Natalia and Nikolai fled their homeland and became political refugees in Britain. I'm here to attend a rehearsal, but a rehearsal with a difference. Natalia and Nikolai are directing via Skype with their actors at an undisclosed location in Belarus. Natalia, it's a fascinating way to direct, being forced to direct. What sorts of problems, practical and artistic, do you face? I think you choose a very right word to say forced to direct that fascinating way on Skype. Of course, the major challenge that you don't have a physical presence of each other. And it is a major challenge because when you work with actors, it is based on that uh, human connection. It's one of those particular forms as a theater and performing arts that audience loves because people could see actors live on stage. And this is exactly what they appreciate. And this is exactly what we're missing, that physical presence of each other. Besides, when we worked together in the past, we felt that we could resolve problems and protect them. Over the last 10 years, while we are in the UK and the future, unfortunately, it will be continued like that. But we have the most incredible team on the ground in Belarus. It is run by our managing directors, amazing couple of Sveta and Nadia, but unfortunately you only could use secret locations now. Natalia, take me back to 2005. Why did you start the company? 
It's actually started in 2004. Official moment happened in 2005 when we had the press conference. The whole conversation started in 2004 when we had a group of like-minded people discussing an issue what it means to have free Belarus, how to have European Belarus. That meant to have free music, free theater, meaning that it doesn't have censorship because everything is under severe censorship over propaganda machine that exists under 25 years in Belarus. And that was that idea that got developed from very global, big political thinking about European place of Belarus in the world into a very practical thing as Belarus Free Theatre. How did you go about setting up the company? It was very easy. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yes, it was. Uh, We just had a day. It coincides with my husband's birthday, (laughs) but it's really just an accident. But because uh, he was a former journalist and he was editor-in-chief of three major newspapers that got closed down by authorities, he got in touch with his friends, independent journalists, and asked what is the best day for all of them to get together when we want to make an announcement, and they choose that date. It was the 30th of March of 2005. We got together with two other people, and it was a press conference, and we announced that Dolores Free Theater starts its existence. We didn't have, like, anything like we didn't have any building we didn't have any actors at that time but we said that uh, belarus free theater starts its existence we will produce shows we will organize international competition of contemporary drama as we think that contemporary playwrights uh, they're the best x-ray machines of societies and we will start training of young people in order for them to get rid of brainwashed system of education that is built up on the Soviet Union system of education. But you were banned immediately, so you went underground immediately? Before that announcement, we tried kind of to check again because of my husband's investigative journalism skills. Um, <laughs> and you know how it works, so you have networks everywhere. And he checked whether it's possible for us to get registered and straight away we got an answer no and it was an answer that was a very interesting one because he was told that it's not even about whatever you want to register it's about your names that are prohibited if we decided to build up a rocket space machine it will be prohibited to us because of our names mm-hmm. And when we got that information, we decided that's done. We just announced our existence and straight away we announced that we will exist underground. And we understood that underground space is much more bigger because you could dig nonstop, like inside and... Outwards, outwards, in all directions. Yeah, absolutely. And we thought, like, hmm, you don't like us on the surface? Okay, then we go... go below the surface. (laughs) We go below. What will be even the worst for you because we will be a more danger for you from <laughs> that part from underground. Natalia has just given the middle finger I think to the president. Um, <laughs> anyway let, let me ask you is this political theatre? Is it campaigning theatre? Is it activism? Is it physical theatre? Is it narrative theatre? How do you define yourselves? 
We say we're more than theater because it's, first of all, the main idea for us to reject the idea of narrow role of theater, that you need to come on stage and entertain audience. The main for us is to make our audience think, but we must think together. And when audience leaves our shows and they tell us, you made me think, this is the main thing for us that it means the major danger for any dictator. We say that when you put morality and creativity together, this is what brings uh, dictators into panic mode. Uh, <laughs> because they they understand that if people start to think and stop accepting everything what system is telling you to do, this is the major change. But what are your goals? I mean, do you want to overthrow Lukashenko? Our goals are to create mind-blowing theatre of the best artistic quality. When we share that quality with our audience, then we could make next step already together with our audience and try to change society either to try to change a life of one individual or a group of individuals, society, of the country. As an example, we campaign on um, disabled rights in Belarus for two years. We produced the first ever show with participation of disabled people. We organized a number of artistic stunts with our actors and members of society who have different disabilities. They blocked road in Minsk in wheelchairs. Wow. Uh, they've been queuing in wheelchairs 20 people into public toilets with a very simple placard that you will very well understand that was written, we also want to pee. <laughs> uh, very and, powerful uh, message. It was... Uh, special force uh, there and it was an incredible moment because in a year time we got public toilets for disabled people wow. that's, that's uh, quite an achievement in a strange kind of way isn't it's, it in a place uh, like... it's incredible and uh, or for example just imagine that uh, it was a santa claus parade in our part of the world we call father frost parade before christmas and new year and we together with our disabled colleagues were not been allowed to be part of that parade and special division of police said but you belarus free theater will not be specifically allowed to be there in a year time our colleagues who are part of our show they've been leading that parade and besides major change before disabled people who have vision impaired issues they were not allowed for auditions at any high institution at uh, belarus we brought piano uh, we brought music instruments put it in front of the music academy invited those people who were not allowed for auditions organize the concert and in a few years time the law was changed and now they are allowed that is extraordinary so we are living our life together with people and we're interested in human beings. You've also seen the release, campaign for the release of Oleg Sentsov. Tell me about him and the campaign to have him released. We uh, 
produced a show that is called uh, Burning Doors, and it's connected to uh, artists in uh, Russian jails. We had Masha Lohina from Pussy Riot performing together with our actors. It was a story of Pyotr Pavlensky, contemporary Russian artist, who nailed his scrotum to Red Square. And he nailed his scrotum to, to Red, Red Square, Square, to the ground of yes. Red Square. Just uh, use your imagination, guys. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Indeed, it's eye-watering um, stuff. And he also was arrested for that. He put on fire a door of S phase B. And after that, he got arrested. Later, he was released after uh, several campaigns for him. And the last part of the show was dedicated to Oleg Sinsov, Ukrainian filmmaker, who was arrested in Crimea, that is annexed by Russia. And he was sent to Russian jail, and he got 20 years in jail. And um, we dedicated that uh, show, Burning Doors, to Oleg Sinsov and his release and became part of the global campaign to release Oleg Sensov. And Oleg was released last September and we went to see him in a week after he was released. And only in December of 2019, I presented him to British public at Frontline Club together with Penn Center. Natalia, hold on a second. I want to drop back into the rehearsal and hear Nikolai with the actors just for... A little bit more to get a sense of what's actually going on and how you work. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm standing in front of the computer screen with Natalia. Natalia, well, tell me what's happening in this scene. It has a contemporary body movement it includes choreography it includes like very serious psychological theater it includes job of two composers who are specifically on purpose by director prohibited to exchange files in order to create an absolutely unexpected beautiful impressive score only based on video that they see 
but same time you are not able to come and touch actor when they need you yeah. uh, you are not able to be with them they're so exhausted and they simply want probably to cry but sometimes we're so exhausted like with fighting with the computer and internet that we want to cry <laughs> and nobody could give us a hug as well <laughs> so uh, there are kind of those obstacles as well and it's happening for the last 10 years when we became refugees of Skype rehearsals and it's challenging very challenging interesting moment that we have composers balaclava blues they are located in canada uh, we have uh, our video animator who is located in uh, ukraine in kiev we have minsk actors belarusian we have composing germany so you could imagine in terms of timeline uh, and time zones how we rehearse at 6 a.m nikolai works with canadian composers because it's uh, 1 a.m in canada them. So they work like then at 9 a.m. here he starts to work with Kiev and then he moves to rehearsals in Minsk. When he finishes in Minsk, he starts to work with Germany. <laughs> <laughs> and, and do you ever all come together? I mean, how does it work in the final performance? We now work on bringing actors for two weeks before the Barbican in order to make adaptation for not even adaptation but polishing for the Barbican because Minsk conditions. So it doesn't allow us to have a rigging that we will have in the Barbican in terms of light, uh, video, sound systems. Because just imagine, it is a very old warehouse from the Soviet Union time that was discovered by our assistant director. And at some point they have stones coming down from ceiling because the <laughs> place is very old. So just to give you, like, try to imagine those conditions that when you are rehearsing, some bits and bobs uh, are coming from a ceiling of the place. Are there not problems, though, with security in getting the actors out of Belarus and bringing them to London? Don't they face problems with the authorities, or do you do it in a clandestine way? We use the same old model that we use for 15 years of existence, because this particular year, it's a major year for Belarus Free Theatre. In March of 2020, we become 15 years old. And we usually go... Uh, through another country, so the company doesn't uh, fly as the company from Belarus. But I will not tell you details, otherwise we will not manage to do that. <laughs> We're hearing a rehearsal, we haven't talked about the audience. How do you get the people safely to your performances, given the repression? It started, of course, like 15 years ago, and first step been done that Nikolai and me, we went around universities in Belarus. We printed out in our home an announcement and uh, with our phone numbers saying that if you want to join in and come and see the show or join our training session, give a call. And he went to male toilets, I went to female toilets, and we put it inside of every single cabin in order for university administrators do not find it. Then slowly with internet appearance in Belarus and with live journal, we started through Nikolai's blog that had 
two million followers started to spread that information and it was a number there were two places in Minsk like two coffee shops where when you uh, own us and they will say to their visitors and clients this particular theater got open if you want you could go and see it so it was guerrilla marketing and word of mouth it continues a bit like that of course we don't go uh, into university toilets anymore but it's necessary for you to find the number of our audience manager and then uh, you will get a phone call or a text message of a meeting point you will be asked uh, preferably to have your passport uh, with you in case that uh, it might be a detention and then you will be uh, you will be met at that meeting point from a meeting point you will be taken to a place where we perform in the past, we had occasions when audience got arrested together with us. Recently, because of that crazy fear of Lukashenko, of Putin, he is trying to show to the West that he is kind of a liberal person and KGB didn't visit our shows to arrest people. I'm sure they visit to watch it. Have audience members been arrested? Have your performances been raided? Performance has been raided. The first time it was in 2007 when we started our global campaign for free Belarus in solidarity with Belarus. And it was started together with Mick Jagger, frontman of Rolling Stones, Tom Stoppard and President Václav Havel. It was started very simply. Three of them recorded very short video appeals to appeal to people of Belarus and wish them freedom and freedom of assembly. And after that, um, our show with all our audience got arrested, only because of possibility for us to reach to Tom Stoppard, who became our patron and who visited Belarus in August of 2005. It was possible to get in touch with him, and he sent a message to journalists in different parts of the world the message got straight away out and we got released at the morning. We just want to do theater that will make all of us think together in order to live in very peaceful, safe society. But politically, what do you want to achieve? Do you want to be able to go back home and function as a free theater without fear of repression? I think it's a very interesting question because when we only established Belarus Free Theatre, we said that Belarus Free Theatre will exist till dictatorship is over in Belarus. And when we started to travel uh, the world, and especially with the last 10 years here in the UK, it became clear that Belarus Free Theatre is needed not only under dictatorship, Probably it's even more needed under democracy because under dictatorship everything is so straightforward because it's very black and white and there is no gray zone and uh, you just uh, have the major idea uh, for everyone to be safe and nobody get arrested, beaten up or as... Uh, four of our friends been killed. Under democracy, everything is heterogeneous. It's not possible exactly to catch and identify the problem, especially within the last uh, few years. It becomes more clear that, first of all, dictatorship is contagious, and uh, democratic leaders, they want to use methods of dictatorship, put it into democratic frame and sell it 
to population of their countries. And we people who have like very high sensitivity to any form of control feel it very badly in the UK, in the United States, that uh, there is a very strong tendency and desire of democratic leaders to stay in power for good, as dictators are doing, but still to continue to call it democracy, but when rights of people are taken slowly from them. Through your experience with this company, what have you learned about the power of theatre to change and to sustain the human spirit and its indomitability? I understood personally that there is no single chance to change a society with a show only. What else do we need? It is necessary to go through the whole society and uh, performance and great theatre show is uh, the most incredible entrance point to much bigger steps. But it is that amazing space where all of us could dream and when all of us could imagine what might happen to us or what already happened and how we could avoid that. And then we must leave theater, space, theater building and start to act on changes within society. So theatre is only the starting point. It is. Natalia, thank you very much indeed for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to me. Thank you so much. It's a great pleasure and I'm (laughs) really looking forward to our further conversations. It's my great pleasure. And thanks to you for listening to this episode of The Art of Change on the Barbican's podcast, Nothing Concrete. And you can subscribe to Nothing Concrete on Acast, Spotify or wherever you download your podcasts. And do leave a message to help spread the word. Next week, we start a four-part series where I'll be talking to the actor, writer, and so much more, Stephen Fry, about Beethoven, bipolarity, and how art and comedy can change our world. For now, from me, Chris Gunnis, goodbye. Goodbye.